Welcome to the Fitzy Talk podcast. You are listening to a guest episode during which we talk about the realities of a career in the performing arts with people who are fit to talk about them. Exactly that. And if you like what we do, please leave us a review or on Spotify. Click that follow button. Also, if you like our meaningful, helpful, and accurate information, and you want to be coached by us, then Fit to Perform might well be for you. Yeah, absolutely. Now go check out our Instagram or our website for more details. Mm. Now moving on, we have an incredible guest for you today. We do indeed. Fantastic guest. And a guest that I'm currently working with mm. and currently sitting alongside in a, in our dressing room. Mm. Um, so today's guest, let me tell you about a couple of things he's done. Uh... He's currently in The Time Traveller's Wife. Ah, uh, yes. In the West End. Uh, previously, now this one's exciting, he was Patrick Starr in the UK premiere tour of the SpongeBob musical. Indeed. God, that was difficult for me to say. SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. <laughs> SpongeBob. <laughs> Which was, uh, it can only be termed iconic. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. And uh, yeah, we, uh, in our dressing room, we like to... to rip him for being Patrick Starr constantly. <laughs> because he gets, like, people come up to him in the street. And they're like, were you Patrick Starr? We're like, oh my God, it's Patrick Starr. <laughs> You're like, yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's also done uh, Billionaire Boy uh-huh. in the West End and Gangster Granny and even a McDonald's advert. Gangster Granny. Gangster Granny. That's absolute, absolute winner. Uh, McDonald's advert. Oh, yeah. we, we have so much to chat to him about. I don't, we didn't actually get to the McDonald's advert. We didn't actually get to quite a lot of no, things. No, we missed out a lot of things we wanted to talk about. But there's a good reason for that. We talk yeah. about some amazing stuff. Please enjoy Irfan Damani. I really enjoy hearing your dulcet tones, Bobby. Oh yeah, you don't you don't hear it enough. No, no, never, ever. But for people, if people are listening to this, going, what is happening here with their relationship? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> you should say you're currently both in the same show. Yeah, we are. We share a dressing room. We are in fact next to each, next other, to each other in the dressing room. Ah, yes. so he's replaced me with you. Yeah, yeah essentially. Yeah. So. <laughs> he's upgraded. You're the new Stefan. <laughs> and you've gone. Oh, like, I'm out. That's yeah. cool. Let's go with it. I'll take it. So what's it like sharing a dressing room with Bobby? Oh, it's fantastic. A lot of coffees, a lot of snacks. We do have a lot yeah. of coffees and, and a lot, lot of snacks coffees. here. You know, oh, it's true. Uh, bit of FIFA. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we bought, we bought a TV for the uh, yeah. dressing room. I think it's the only way, right? Mm. Right, yeah. And it's been a godsend. Like, we've definitely used... It. We've used it you know I mean? so much. I mean, <laughs> Nat, it. Nat's yeah. used it more than all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Nat's completed a Star Wars game yeah. since we've been in the theatre. Yeah, it's okay. quite well. That is that is a substantial one of those Jedi Fallen Order ones. Yeah, no, it was Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Yeah. And yeah. which are meant to be amazing. Yeah, they are very good. I played the first one during lockdown. Did it's you? Amazing. Yeah. Well, there was nothing else to do. Nothing else there? to do. No. <laughs> I've got the second one now and I'm struggling to get through it because I'm a bit busier. So. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, time, time, it's not, too, not too busy. I'm not in at 12 o'clock every day. So it's not no, too no, bad, no, 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 no. We're not doing cover rehearsals no. for days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's not even a sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in a lot. But yeah. that means it'll open up in the new year, right? In the next two weeks, after the next two weeks, actually. Yeah, we're close to the end. Yeah, yeah. We're probably at the, like... Yeah, the final run. Yeah. Into the second covers. This is such an uh, an error. Uh, every, every time people say this with any show, they're like, oh, we need to finish the cover run, so it's going to ease up. Yeah. Like, it is not going to ease <laughs> well, up. And then it's Christmas, yeah. right? <laughs> it's definitely not going to ease up because as soon as covers are over, then holiday kicks in, so then yeah. split tracks begin. Yeah. And oh. as dance captain, Bobby will just end up doing everything. Playing bits of all... Tracks. Doing yeah. lots of random things. We have got a small girl in the cast, the younger girl. And yeah. I think 
I've, I've, my money's on Bobby going on as the young girl before Christmas. I, I mean, I've, I've already, I've got, I've got the uh, the movements down. Like I did the illusion the other day. So well, I was like young Claire slash their kid. Yeah, yeah. What's their kid called? Alba. 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 I always forget that. That's come up before. Alba. Alba. Such yeah. a notable name. It's a lovely it name. Alba well. de Tamble. Wow. It gets less good with the full name. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, beautiful name. Alba de Tamble. You're like, uh, yeah. It feels like something ChatGPT came up when it was ChatGPT 2. <laughs> 2.0. 2.0. I bet that was rough. I didn't use it in those days. Like, it must have been terrible at 2.0. Well, it's got rapidly better, you'd imagine, if yeah. it was worse. Uh, are you, have you used ChatGPT in yeah, any way? Yeah, a few also? times. Yeah, I think so. I use it just to be, like, just to see what was going on. Just yeah. to be curious. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Just to be like, what is... Mm, what happening? can I type into this mysterious just Insta just messaging <laughs> AI thing? Mm. What's going to ruin all of our lives? Yeah. yeah. Ah, AI. What, what information what? is going to get stored about me? I wonder, yeah. That's we were only it. talking the other day in the dressing room about how AI is going to ruin our lives. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a rabbit hole to go down that one because I, I'm not I'm not convinced there's anything it won't be able to do better than us within a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. Beyond physically being in the same room, for now, mm-hmm. for now, for now. Yeah. I mean, look at self checkouts and stuff like that, right? Like all the guilt of yeah. buying all the snacks you need is just gone straight yeah. away. So. I'm like, I make a conscious effort to try and go to the <laughs> go to the people at the counter. And then my partner does the opposite. She just doesn't want the human interaction. It's like, it's much easier. And I think actually most people sit into that camp now. I'm 100% deep into that camp of, I don't want to talk to anybody ever. I agree. And then I feel like I'm doing it like it's charity work. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going, but I'll go to the people so that they keep a job. You're like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you said about the Amazon Fresh thing though. Like I, I always think, I thought it was. I thought I would not think about it afterwards, but now I look in my orders and it details every single thing I've ever bought in an Amazon Fresh shop. Yeah, it's wild. Isn't so it? now I'm like, oh god, oh I bought that. Oh, it, yeah. Nah, yeah, it's like it's the equivalent of going doing your taxes and looking through your bank statement. <laughs> yeah, I realise how much money you've spent in prep. Yeah, you know, like but with pictures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many yeah. times <laughs> I've been to Blank Street? Too many. Do love Blank Street? He does love a Blank Street. Have you got any of their merch? I feel like you'd buy I their merch. Have I, merch. I, got, I got gifted the merch. Did you? I know the, one of the designers at Blank Street and she gifted me some merch. Don't well, want to get her in trouble. I won't out. say her name. But shout out. <laughs> I won't Bob, say her name. How would you Bobby design it that they have? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Gifted. Uh, so before we carry on with the podcast, we yeah. should uh, let you know, you may already know, uh, that during the podcast we have a little game that we play called Liar Liar. Yep. Which uh, we basically means that we would love you to try and slip in a lie at some point during this recording. It can okay. be about anything you like, and we won't call you on it, even if we think that's the like the moment. Right at the end, we'll have a moment to try and guess, and Bobby and I uh, desperately try and guess what's right. And we like I, to yeah. people people that yeah. listen to guess too. I think it's going to be really hard because I think I've told Bobby every single ounce of my life. Yeah, but I feel like you're gonna. I feel like you're very good at this. I think. Yeah, like based on your jokes, I feel like <laughs> this is going to fit right into your. I'm sorry, we can't. You can't mention jokes and not. Have you got any to hand? Um, I love a, a dad joke or any joke. I don't think I can give you a joke right now. It <laughs> would probably take up our whole time. It would, yeah. take, it would take a while. Are they like monologue jokes? Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. When you get time, you need to experience yeah. the jokes. Well, let's let at the end we'll do it. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> and then we can put it as real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I go viral. That's yes. yeah, that's okay. okay fine, great. We've I've been it. waiting. Yeah, 
No. Yeah. Your, your moment is here. I'm like, even if it's not recorded, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> like, just so you know. I'm all in on this. this uh, are you willing to try and attempt that at some point? Yes. Fantastic. Love that. Can't go wrong. We're in. Well, let's start off right at the beginning then. So how does the story of your life begin? Um, in Peterborough District Hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah, not much to report. I've just had... So I grew up a Muslim boy from Peterborough who loved sport, loved politics, loved everything about it. Um, I used to I used to play football and cricket at quite a high level when I was younger. Used to play that religiously. Um, I was always that kind of kid that I was a, a jack of all trades and then a master of none, but I was definitely a master of a few of them. Um, so I was a, probably, I'd say, a master at something like football. But I think throughout my my teenage life and throughout my A-levels, throughout that side of things, I I kind of didn't know what I wanted to focus on. Um, I I really, really got into football, really, really got into cricket. I used to play at a really high level and then the classic tale of getting injured. Um, I So I stopped doing that. Uh, at that high level and then just did Sunday League thought that was potentially something I could have gone into but it ended up not working out and then I got into politics a little bit I think the, the at the time when I was growing up um, especially in a place like Peterborough Peterborough is a very hostile place place very multicultural um, and a physical divide between two ends of the spectrum in terms of political outcome, political needs, let's say. Um, it's very working class, um, but then also very upper class in certain aspects of Peterborough. And um, tensions were really high in Peterborough. I remember at my school, um, I, I just went to a, a comprehensive school and they put um, all of the, so what they did, they got like three or four schools and they got all of the lower working class schools throughout the areas of Peterborough and decided to put them all into one building. And within that building, there were gangs. There were That's um, a terrible idea. Terrible. <laughs> also, the worst thing about the, the, the school, it was a new academy back way back in 2008. Um, it was all indoors. It was this genius idea of putting <laughs> 400 students indoors, probably more than 400, actually. Um, it was wild. Wow. Um, so I remember like socially, like it was, it wasn't the best, like it wasn't very safe. Um, so I, with that, I decided to run for youth MP, um, which was pretty cool. Um, became youth MP. I um, was youth MP for two years, got to debate at the house commons live on telly, um, which is really, really cool. I, yeah, yeah, it's good fun. We we went for we tried to get um, what the, so I remember being there and I remember there were two sides of it and we tried to get like um, a few things we we tried to get into Parliament or get to discuss in Parliament was uh, votes for under sixteen and um, under eighteen. Sorry, so the whole argument mm -hmm. that you can join the army when you're sixteen but you can't vote. Mm. Um, in retrospect, I'm not sure how I feel about that now, being 28. Um, but I think 10 years ago, definitely something that I would have benefited on personally. Um, another thing was like free or discounted bus passes. Um, and I think this coincided with like the privatization of the network and 
travel and stuff like that. And the other thing, which is something that's really important, is um, the like uh, more understanding and more teaching of um, mental health, uh, life skills, and sexual skills as well, in terms of safe sex, in terms of what happens if you're put in an uncomfortable situation and how to say no and stuff like that. Things that now I think certain schools are really speaking about. So, um, so that sort of stuff is really interesting to hear about nearly like 12 years ago now where we were, it wasn't really kind of spoken that in society and it's still taboo within yeah. society. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting now to hear kids my age, uh, my age that I used to be, um, so 16, 17 year olds now speak so eloquently about stuff like that because I remember speaking about that when I was that age and not knowing actually what to say and not knowing what was taboo or not. Um, so yeah. Can I just say, you prefaced that by saying, not much to say really. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, and yeah. the outcome yeah. was just so much interesting stuff that I want to dig into. Yeah. The, the one I'm just going <laughs> to glide over but briefly mention was you've just cracked the code as to how to get kids into a sex education class. And that is by calling it sex skills. Yeah. yeah. Because it's all about the brand. Who is, is, who is signing it's up? marketing, isn't it? Yeah, right? it's all marketing. Yeah. Sex skills class, they're in. Yeah. yeah. Like teenage me, I'm in that class. Sex education, I'm embarrassed. Well, <laughs> that's it. You're right. Sex skills. Probably whack a Z on it. <laughs> oh my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Instantly everyone's like, nah, nah. nah skills with a cool. Z. No. They're trying to be cool. Um, but, and that's why I don't do the branding. <laughs> but like, there's that. But then when we jump back, you like casually dropped in sport and, and politics. Like they were two very normal things that go together. Of course, yeah. For people, which I don't think they normally are. No. And, you know, then quite often with really famous sports people, people expect them to be politicians, which is you're like, this is insane. But how how did you sort of cross that bridge? You, you, you kind of skimmed over that a little bit. Was it just um, because of the injury you went down that? No, route? I think for me, I, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I remember being quite intelligent when I was younger. Uh, I remember like doing my GCSEs, no, GCSEs, doing my year six SATs when I was in year five. Nice. Um, or something silly like that. Um, so I was always a little bit intelligent, but I, it was a classic tale of like, I just didn't know where to focus it on. Yeah. Um, I used to get like obsessed with small things. Um, I used to get obsessed and with like English and with religion and with uh, sociology. And then I think the more I learned about politics and philosophy and um, psychology, especially like those are subjects I did in GCSEs and A-level. I really like started to be like, like question a lot of stuff in life and question reasons why things are done the way they're done. And, and I think one thing that really like stuck with me from today was, is that like when we're, when we're running for youth MP and when we're on the, the, the youth cabinet in, within Peterborough, you, you have to be apolitical, but within those those rooms, every single individual there has their own political opinion, despite the fact that they have to be apolitical. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting to see how someone who was brought up so different to someone else thought differently, and whether or not you agree with them or not, and it doesn't make them a bad person. It's just, for me, it was really interesting to see how their upbringing really, really affected their views and the way they're respected in the room and the stuff they say and the way they 
agree with something. It's just really, really fascinating. That is fascinating. Mm. I love the idea of being apolitical uh, because is that without... The, I, th- I believe the only way you can be apolitical is by having zero knowledge yeah. of any kind, yeah. right, about anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, as you just described, like our own experiences fill us with what what we believe about things, right? Mm-hmm. what we've been surrounded by. So you're in a room with people with all these vastly differing experiences who are obviously going to represent that or have a response to their own experience in, in the opposite direction sometimes, mm-hmm. pretending that they don't. Yeah, and I think it's really, I mean, I remember when I was younger again, like like saying that I was apolitical and saying mm-hmm. that like I didn't have any political knowledge or ways of swinging, let's say. Um, there's always an unconscious bias about the way you're thinking and the people you speak to. And, you know, like for someone like, someone like me who brought up, like my parents are working class parents, they're first generation migrants um, that have come to this country and built everything they've got from nothing. So being that type of person and seeing how much my parents work and my grandparents worked has led me to my political opinions, even though I had to say I was like apolitical, even that I, even when I was 16. Um, it, yeah, you can't really not see how it doesn't affect it. I'm amazed by this. I'm, I love mm. that you were in the youth cabinet and debating in the House of Commons. That's nuts to be in such a fantastic way. And also, I didn't. I don't think I even knew that existed. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it amazing. Def- it definitely still is now. I think as well. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. I remember like the the like campaigning for it and everything like that. It was it was great fun. I think. It, yeah, it, yeah, it was great. It was a good experience to do. It really helped with like my social skills and like knowing that I was like good at something else other than sport. And I remember when I was younger, I used to love writing. I used to write like I used to be obsessed with English. I used to love uh, semantics and language and stuff like that as well. So it was really good to be able to just put everything together. Mm. And this is all me without being a performer as well. Like yeah. I used to hate musicals. I used to hate drama. Um, so yeah, that's. I absolutely love that. <laughs> and then, like, uh, we'll get to crossing that bridge in mm. a second because I think that's fascinating. But just to jump back to another thing you said, we've had a few guests that have come from Peterborough, and I, I know I've got a bunch of friends who are in the industry who actually are from mm-hmm. from Peterborough. Now you may or may not remember. So I do, I do remember. Yes. Like, um, and it feels like there's uh, that that sort of multicultural part of of all facets of society there in you know income and everything in that place, it seems to produce quite a lot of artists in some way. Uh, do you think I'm putting that on onto that area or, or, or is there maybe some truth to that? I don't know if I'm honest. I think I'm probably the worst person to ask about that because <laughs> I, I've been very lucky and, uh, yeah, I've been very lucky with my opportunities within Peterborough and within the arts, especially within Peterborough, and um, we'll get to it later. But the way in which I got into musical theatre is not orthodox in the slightest. Like, it's something that, if an opportunity is, I basically how how I like to brand myself is I was the Troy Bolton of the Voyager Academy. So, <laughs> um, Please tell me you had the hair, and the, you yeah, did have the yeah, sports skills, yeah, though, yeah, right? Yeah, I did have hair. I remember running through a golf course and seeing a. Power ballad as well, and an I want song about 
wanting to do something. I, I am joking. <laughs> I was like, um, I want to be creative. Yeah, yeah. but, but then, uh, obviously, you did have the sports skills, right? So, and to a level that you probably might have been quite known around your area. So yeah. When you're joining that that <laughs> club, people knew who you were. Well, that's it. I remember like being like 14, 15, playing football at high levels. I remember going to my like the, the England trial um, days for goalkeepers, like at St James's, uh, St George's Park. Um, which is amazing. Like I've never, yeah. n- never thought that that could happen. I remember like even on cricket, I remember my dad who worked two jobs, um, finding time out of his busy schedule to drive me three, four hours into the, the, the Cambridgeshire countryside to, and sit in his van whilst I played a whole day of cricket. Like, <laughs> um, I love that he didn't even watch. Yeah, yeah, he would watch Also, this is a time before like you, you'd get like like 3G, let alone yeah, yeah, 4G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you used to just Doing sit a crossword. There, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think you'd even do a crossword. I think you'd just, <laughs> just sit, sit and watch and <laughs> meditate. <stare>. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, he was umpire a few times. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't know the rules. Which, which he, he didn't know the rules, luckily. <laughs> but uh, honestly, every decision, decision that I wanted, he didn't give it to me. Which I remember like not speaking on the way home once just because he didn't give something LBW, something stupid like that. Like, Do you think he did that to avoid looking like he, he was, you know, what's the word? Favorite, favoritizing? Yeah. That's not the one, yeah. but making you his favorite? Uh, no, I just think he's really, really a harsh umpire. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think if something was out, he would have given it out, but I actually think... Yeah, no matter what, you're not getting it out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> nope. um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. So the wickets are falling. He's like, no, nope, <laughs> it's fine. Keep <laughs> <He> playing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Um, but yeah, I, I was well known within Peterborough to have been a really, really good goalkeeper. Like, um, um, especially within, I think the, a big aspect of my life was my community within my mosque. Um, uh, I was a, I was a practicing Muslim. Like my parents are practicing Muslims, um, and growing up, I used to play football a lot with my my friends within the mosque and we used to have Sunday league teams. We used to go play tournaments every year. And um, I was well known as one of the best goalkeepers we've, we've ever had in our community. Like even to this day, I get people asking me if I'm playing in the tournament this year or if I'm coming back to moving back to Peterborough so I can play football. And, um, <laughs> it's wild. Um, it's good to know that the community is still there if you want it. Yeah, it's time yeah. to come out of retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much the community is there for me now. Again, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely think that there's few aspects of the community that want me back to play football. Um, so yeah, it was just, yeah, growing up like that was was very interesting because Peterborough is a very small place and everyone knows everyone in Peterborough. I think that's really important. And you're always at least like two degrees of separation from another person mm. in Peterborough, if you're not one. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Do you, do you mind me asking mm-hmm. uh, about the injury yeah. that took place? Like what, what happened with that? Uh, so I remember, God knows where I was. Um, I remember Playing a goal and a new goalkeeper coach, um, and they didn't like me at all for some absurd reason. Um, and I remember it was the middle of summer preseason, and soil was so hard, and he blasted the ball in. I caught it, um, and my little finger got caught in a little bit of mud. And as I turned 
my little finger stayed where it was, and as a result, so did my wrist. So, yeah. Fabulous. So I had to have operations and all sorts. And basically, I remember I used to be a fast bowler of cricket, um, and basically I just got told that it, it was either or, football or cricket. And I chose football, and then I just never could psychologically, like, go past that injury, I think, especially as a goalkeeper. Mm. I think I used to... I From then on, I was 15 when it happened. From then on, I was very much like, well, I have to get... have to take my hand. I have to get those finger savers gloves that make sure my fingers don't break at all anymore. Yeah. Um, it was a real shame because I was really, really getting to a good level, especially playing 11-a-side. I grew up playing a lot of 5-a-side, a lot of 7-a-side, and that's how I got quite good in goal because... Mm if you go in goal in power league, you're absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's constant, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I, I don't stop. Like even when I play now, I don't play that often now, but even when I play now, like I'm always confused as to how I was able to do this mm. um, and not break any bones. It is amazing. But also what you described there, it's not surprising because that's a trauma. You know, that's yeah. a, that's a big trauma, not, not just about the finger, but that whole, whole area. Do you think that has sort of carried over to the other physical aspects of your life? Because, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about this now, but, you know, you're a personal trainer and you use your body for your for your career and there was cricket too. Yeah. Or has it sort of, do you think it's sort of remained attached to football alone? Um, I'm not too sure, actually. I think that I... That, what, the, the injury that happened and there, there were a few more injuries that happened when I was, I was younger. I got... Um, I got hit by a car when I was on my bike once and cut a little bit of my head and broke my ankle. Um, I think none of them have actually stuck with me physically. I've been mindful of them, but I've, they've not really stuck with me because I didn't actually go on a journey about learning how my, my body works and the correlation between fitness and my body and performing in my body and being a pretty, and for another five, six, seven years, mm-hmm. um, it was really a drama school where I like, was like, Oh, that's, that's what that's for. Because I think 12 years ago, even 12 years ago, we're looking like what, 2010, 2012, like very much the attitude was get up, get on the car to work, get on the car to, to football, train, play a match. Like, yeah. Nothing about nutrition, nothing about no. warming up, cooling down. Like, and I look back at that now and I'm like, well, how on earth did I do that? Even playing five aside, but the thought of now playing five aside without having any form of caffeine beforehand is <laughs> baffling. <laughs> Maybe that's because I'm nearly 30, but like, like how I did that 10 years ago is just crazy, yeah. you know? Um, so With ease as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. um, so yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. And I think that comes from not not knowing how my body works and being appreciative of how my body works. Yeah, that could go both ways, right? You could yeah. you could take that lack of knowledge and it could turn it into more fear. Absolutely. I suppose it's mm. fortunate that 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 led to the more positive outcome for you. So you touched on there that it was about five six years later that you ended up sort of going. I mean, musicals. Mm-hmm. What happened in that gap? You said you became the Troy Bolton of, yeah. of Peterborough. Gosh. So what, what was the what was the little uh, bait in the water that got you got you to that? Um, so I remember again when I when I was younger. I despite me being fairly intelligent, despite me being youth MP, I was still a 
a bit troubled, let's say. I was a classic middle child who just wanted constant <laughs> attention. Um, and I I did misbehave a lot. Um, I love chatting, loved hearing the, the sound of my own voice. And I think that as Bobby can pay testament to, because he's <laughs> next to me in the dressing room. Yeah, I don't have um, a speaker in the dressing room. <laughs> it's just a monologue. Um, I just, uh, uh, it's just, it's just constant, <laughs> constant noise out of his left ear from me. <laughs> like, um, He's used to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah, you sat, you sat on my left side as well. <laughs> Sorry about that side. <laughs> um, so I, I did used to get in trouble a lot. Um, I remember when I was younger, I used to, I used to get bullied a lot. Um, I was, and this is slightly off topic, but I was, Within the school, there was a massive South Asian community, massive South Asian community. And because of my upbringing in life, I, my parents took, took me to a a Church of England school about a half an hour drive away from, I live in the centre of Peterborough, away from the centre of Peterborough, where my mum coincidentally taught there. Um, so I was the only person of colour in my whole school um, I was the first person of colour to go there. Like this was a, a tiny village, um, just outside Peterborough. Very, very upper class. Like, like Roman Atkinson lives like ten minutes away. Warwick Davis lived ten minutes away. Like, um, and so I, I was very used to growing up being the only person of colour, and people asking me a lot of questions. And with that, I got a lot of um, a lot of cultural differences in comparison to a lot of the people who potentially were my age and stayed within Peterborough and stayed within um, the multicultural realm that is Peterborough and going to those schools where a person of colour who is usually a minority would be a majority, potentially. Um, so... Um, a lot of friends who were actually white. I had, I had a lot of friends who were not South Asian. And with that, a lot of South Asian people used to bully me because of that, because I I didn't hang around with them. I was the only brown guy with a group of white friends. And, and that's just... And I, I used to get bullied a lot because of that. I used to get chased home from school. I used to... Um, and with that, it was all the way I came earlier. Like, socially, tensions were really high within that. Um, and I think because of those reasons, I, this is all after I was youth MP as well, like, um, and before coincidentally either side. Um, with that, I think I was a really angry kid. Um, and if I didn't have my focus on something, I felt like I was a little bit lost. Um, so with that, I used to, when I was like 16, uh, 17, I think, um, so it's like A levels, um, or like maybe like the year before A levels, end of GCSEs. I can't really remember now. Um, the our head of year, um, who was head of music, she's like this amazing music, amazing singer, and um, our school was a media arts school. So we used to have recording studios, we used to have music classes, dance studios, and. A musical theatre kid's dream. We had a lovely new purpose-built theatre. Um, it was it was a beautiful school and it was amazing. And we used to have to do music. And I always knew I could sing a little bit. I always knew that I had a little bit. I definitely could sing in tune. 
Um, I remember like my mum telling me a story of how in reception I, I mean, how I didn't know I was going to be in musical theatre back then. I sung My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion in reception. <laughs> as my show and tell. Um, yeah. So you can just imagine. I can't sing that now. <laughs> yeah, probably Fantastic. in the original key, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, giving, it, giving it a bit of Celine. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so God knows how I... I didn't end up in, didn't just go straight into a stagecoach and beat, but then, but um, yeah, so I always knew I could sing. And long story short, I got into detention and Miss Green was her name, is her name, she's still alive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, She basically was like, right, okay, for your detention, I'm forcing you to audition for the school play. And they were doing Les Mis at the time. Um, that lovely, lovely score musical. Um, <laughs> Light-hearted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly what you need to... Yeah. Bring the fun. Yeah. yeah. Very right. accessible. Very yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Easy way in. Yeah. Um, and I remember rocking up an hour and a half late for the audition. Uh, so one thing that made me the Troy Bottom of the, uh, my school was that I... Um, rehearsals and the auditions were on the same day as football practice. Uh, the classic, isn't it? It's always going to be that way. Um and then I'm rocking up an hour and a half later with my shin pads still on and mud all over me and my football socks halfway down my um, legs and it rocked up and sung stars and <laughs> then like two weeks, then left two weeks later. I, I didn't even tell my mum this, by the way. Um, two weeks later, my one of this girl came up to me and was like, why were you at rehearsals yesterday? I was like, eh? She's like, yeah, you got Javert. Did you not know it? I was like, <laughs> what? what? What is this? One Who, who's Javert? Who's Javert? <laughs> I just remember like... Uh, is there a cream for that? <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you know I got it? What? Um, and yeah, that's basically, I remember, this is my first year of A-levels um, and I did not take any of those A-levels. <laughs> I didn't, sorry, no. I didn't take any creative A-levels. I did yeah. very boring mm. subjects. It's politics, English, religious studies, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so I rocked up and then ended up absolutely loving it. And I was like, oh, okay, I think I like musicals. And I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I remember, so... I remember my second year of A-levels, I remember being like, okay, this is just Arby. I, I really like musicals. I think I'm quite good at it. Um, but I don't think I could do this as a career. So I ended up then applying to universities to do English and politics, got into some very good universities. And then remember a month before I was due to go to uh, uni, I told my parents that I wanted to become an actor. <laughs> How did that go? Um, yeah, I love my mom and dad. I love them to bits, and they've supported me nonstop since I was younger. Um, and I'm very grateful to have them as parents because they've a lot of people within my culture and within my society would not let their child do anything like this. And I think that is one of the main issues in terms of representation and within um, 
like the the reason why you don't see a lot of South Asian artists within within especially musical theatre. So when I told my parents, I don't think my mum spoke to me for ages. I think she was just taken back by it a little bit, I think. In her on this podcast like she's still confused as to how me as a very intelligent person then decided to just go into this realm where in her head the level of intelligence isn't actually that important um and understandably as well like on the blanket of everything you hear these stories of how actors majority of actors are out of work and Mm -hmm. are working coffee shops and Oh, 99 um, point nine, spot yeah. has a stat on it 99.9% yeah. of whilst it is a, very much the reality and it's very much the reality of my life like it's still something that I really really felt like I wanted to do and bear in mind this is something that this is the first time ever in my life that I actually felt like I wanted to, to do something yeah. Like, yeah even when going to university and it, it going through like what subjects I wanted to choose like the fact that I did English and politics kind of summed it up because I I was good at English, I was good at politics, but I wasn't good at either of them to just do one. And I didn't feel comfortable just doing politics. I didn't feel comfortable just doing English. Mm. And this was the first time where I was very much like, right, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, and my dad, I remember staying on an extra year at, at A-levels and doing A-level drama, A-level music. Um and like starting to direct stuff and write stuff and really like focus myself on becoming an actor and realizing that it's not just a hobby. My dad drove me to my, I was only allowed to audition for one drama school, one drama school only. I had to be university because I had to um, have a degree, have a degree yeah. or yeah. had to have also financial backing as well. My parents yeah. weren't yeah. able to, to pay for the, the, big, the bigger drama schools and pay ridiculous money for them. Yeah. Um, and rightly so, again, like, they didn't want me to do it. Like, mm-hmm. um, so they're not going to cripple themselves financially exactly. to, to, yeah, yeah. to and support yeah. a dream. Especially because I had a younger sister as well. I have a younger sister. She's so <laughs> <similar>. um, <laughs> um, And she was still going to go to uni. Like, she's two years younger than me, so she's going to go to uni. They have to put yeah. her through uni. Mm-hmm. And they put my older brother through uni. He's eight years older than me. So my dad drove me to the... My drama school audition, we say to this rubbish B&B and Ealing and got into drama school and then now I'm here. It's amazing that you managed, because that's a way to put so much pressure on an audition, but basically yeah. by saying, by the way, this is the only one you're doing, the only audition you're allowed to do. Were you not, <laughs> pardon the language, shitting yourself? Yes, but I think that I didn't know how big it was. Or like, because I was so naive to everything. I remember rocking up to audition. I sung Impossible Dream from Man of La Manche and I didn't even sellotape my sheet music. Yeah. Like, I remember sellotaping, sellotaping my sheet music in the room outside the audition because yeah. someone, yeah. one of the girls told me to. Yeah. Like, I didn't know anything. I had a hole in my sock. Like, <laughs> I didn't have a clue what was going on. Like, I, yeah, I was so, so I didn't, I just don't think I realised how much, like, I didn't realise that every single person in this room where when I was auditioning had has also spent a hell of a lot of money yeah. auditioning at other drama schools and yeah. have probably spent their last 10 years of their life mm. wanting to be at this room right now. And I felt 
Like looking back, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but so naive that yeah. I just rocked up, <laughs> some impossible dream. And hoped. And then 10 years later, I'm in the West End. But did, I mean? did you go in thinking, like, what was your mindset going in? Did you think, oh, I'm going to get this? Or were you like, I, like what were you, were you thinking afterwards? Like, what was your plan? If you didn't get it, what was your plan? And, or were you thinking, I'm definitely getting this? Like, that's fine. Honestly, not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I think I kind of put all my eggs in one basket. I did apply for other unis. I was going to do like English and English communications and drama. Um, that was like the, the hybrid that I chose. Um, but I kind of did put all my eggs in one basket and it, it, looking back is a massive risk because yeah. if I didn't do that, then God knows where I'd be. I'm, I can't help but try and draw parallels between you and myself. And, and a lot of it was, a lot of my experience was similar in that I would be rocking up to these places. No idea how, quite how difficult it was because a bunch of people in the years above me at school, at actual high school, had got in and were now training. So yeah. it wasn't like, oh, I'll definitely get in, but it would be like, I feel like I've got a good shot because I didn't know how many people they yeah. saw, how many people applied yeah, and yeah. how good everyone was because you didn't see it. And so it was while I was auditioning, the Times did an article on how difficult it was to get into drama schools and they were interviewing some of the candidates. They didn't interview me. And I'm really glad they didn't because they told them some stuff. And it was harder to get into drama school on that, that course than it was to get into Oxford at that time to study English. Which is like the thing that most people are like, oh, that's a really, really hard thing yeah. to achieve. And it was like preposterously worse odds for you to apply. And I only found that out when I got to drama school and I was like, oh yeah, that was really, <laughs> yeah, that's not bad, is it? Yeah, yeah. So that's, oh, we've done well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pressure, would, pressure would have been way higher had I known that going in. Yeah. I would have been terrified. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty scared in auditions anyway. I don't know about you, but like, <laughs> if I'd have known, like that's what I was saying about it, it being your like one shot from family. Yeah. Like I would have been a nervous wreck. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that, um, it, again, in Peterborough, you, a lot of performers come from Peterborough and a lot of them are very, very talented. And a lot of them were a massive, massive fish in a tiny, tiny pond. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got that, that level of confidence and there is a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I think that if you've been told that you're just going to get in and if you They gave me the confidence and to be able to just go in there, know that what I was going to do was enough. And mm. that was it. Like I didn't go to a stagecoach. I didn't go to like singing lessons. I didn't, I, I didn't know. I didn't, like, I didn't do any form of drama before doing Les Mis. Like I was like, I was, yeah. And I, that's kind of new. That's kind of good as well because it was kind of a fresh love and it was, I was definitely still going through my honeymoon phase with musical theatre and with acting throughout drama school, really. It was only recently where I was like, ah, okay, this isn't great sometimes. Is it? Like, uh, um, ah, we so, know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, the point where I am at now, potentially like 10 years in the biz, is where someone who has been going to ballet classes and sing lessons for 10 years and then auditioning at drama schools was back then you know mm. so I'm very grateful to be in that position so then you went to London College of Music I did uh, trained there what was that experience like um 
the the college, the the training itself was very good for me. It was a very accessing a base, and it was, um, yeah, it was very good. It, I had a lot of difficult moments there because in my year of sixty, there was only three, four people of color. Um, one of them being one of my best friends, um, and I remember there was a lot of microaggressions within the college, and I remember not getting a lot of opportunities when I was at college. Um, the the college itself was, was was very good, and I think that without it, I wouldn't have got the training that, and wouldn't be the performer I am without it. However, there was a lot of stuff that I had to do outside of it that I'm very grateful again to myself that I was able to do it. Um, going to dance classes and having extra singer lessons and stuff like that. Um, I think that like without doing those things, I don't think I'd be where I am as a performer right now, I think. Um, which isn't great when you're paying nine grand a year. Um, and nonetheless, it was fantastic. And I met some of my, my friends that I've had for life there, um, tutors that have helped me so much there. But I, I I would I would I could not say that I had a good experience because it was in hindsight again overall quite negative, mm. um, which is a shame. It's mm. a real real shame. Uh, I, f- I find this topic uh, really really fascinating because it's one that you know uh, Britain as a society obviously was thrust into the the had had thrust into the spotlight during the Me Too movement for people, some people had never heard microaggressions before and, and they're going, okay, what does this, what does this mean? And having to learn and go through that process. Do you, do you believe that, you know, as you're experiencing those or were experiencing them at the time, did people, did the people doing that know that they were doing it? Did they even have any clue that they were potentially harming you or, or, or insulting you in, in any way? Do you think it was conscious? Um, I think it's a yes or no answer to that. I think that the it depends on the circumstance. I think that there's certain things from tutors that I received that were borderline microaggressions that were not, they didn't know what they were doing. And I think that that's, if they, if they don't know, then fine. Okay. That's the way they were brought up. And like as a 19 year old who's in first year of college, isn't going to bring them up on it. However, in like my third year, the the situations where I received from a lot of my peers and a, a few of my people that were in my year, they knew one thousand percent what they were doing, um, and I think that it comes from a place of privilege and arrogance, especially because mm-hmm. a lot of people within that college were white. A lot of people in that college were. Um, huge fishes in tiny ponds and come from a lot of rural areas where necessarily you're not going to see a lot of people of colour and I think that it was at a time where drama schools were really really in the limelight of and the industry was in the limelight of like all white casts and Mm -hmm. people speaking about colourblind casting and how um, the term that was used at that time was that the BAME performers are more likely to get agents and get parts just because of their person of colour and where they have more va-va-voom, as I say, um, than, than white actors. and More va-va-voom. Yeah. God. Um, <laughs> that's a whole new podcast. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's what a preposterous. <laughs> 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 
It's like, how can something that doesn't mean anything also be insulting? Like, yeah. it's, it's quite a it's skill. It's wild, isn't it? Um, so I think that, like, yeah, it was very much so. I think for me, the big thing was I had to, and again, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And I think back then, you just look at yourself and be like, oh, God, that was actually wrong. But I remember, like, having to laugh at myself because I was the brunt of the joke in certain aspects mm. because I don't know how other people would react. I was So for context, I was the only South Asian person in the year. I was the only South Asian person in the drama school. There was a, a person a year below uh, above me, but as far as I remember, there was no one else on the musical theatre course. Um, and that poses trouble within itself and that poses trouble of the... the Social, social and political climate at the time. I think there was at a time when um, Islamophobia was on the rise, and um, you know, like like the the war in Iraq and war in Afghanistan was really, really tense. And I remember like my third year, Donald Trump coming into power and Brexit. All of all of this stuff was throughout my drama school, and mm, wow. um, there was a real political divide. And I th- I remember like, I, I mean, I I don't want to name any. I won't name any names and. Like, I remember, like, if a fire alarm went off and people would be like, oh, I found, have you left your bag somewhere? Or, um, yeah, uh, I remember, like, someone... so ridiculous. Yeah. And I I remember I just had to laugh about it. Like, um, like, oh, don't go on the tube, uh, fan. And, like, like, microaggressions like that. Like, um, like... I remember devising a show and I mean, again, hindsight is wonderful. And I remember laughing at it at the time, but actually it wasn't okay because it's a majority of white audience laughing at a terrorist joke on stage of a show that a group of white people have devised. Like as a person kind of now, I would have said, whoa, 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 this is not okay. And as a Muslim, this is not okay. Mm. But actually at that time, I didn't know how else other people would react. And yeah. yeah. I remember auditioning for my showcase and someone asking me if I knew any Bollywood songs and, but no one else got asked if they knew any, any, anything else. So those levels of microaggressions were, were there throughout the three years. Um, and it was only recently during lockdown where I actually looked back on it and I was like, right, this is not okay. What happened to us is not okay. Our third year show, we did West Side Story with four people of colour and I played a jet. My first line was, hey, brown boy, um, to a pers- to, to someone who was white. Um, and as much as I loved doing that show and I loved the director and I loved the MD, like, I, it should not have happened. We should not have done West Side Story, let alone yeah. I should not have been a jet. Um, I think that there's, and I think there's certain things that only drama schools could have got away with. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember calling out the drama school at the end of my third year being like, look, this is not okay. Me and my best friend, who is also very successful in the industry, we went to the, the head of year and were like, look, this is not okay. This is what I think you need to do. Um, did they do that? No. And then coincidentally, they got a new head of year and we wrote this open letter um, talking about like what needs to change and stuff like that and got loads of alumni to sign it. Um, 
and got like testimonials from um, a lot of um, ethnic minorities who were alumni um, and they did nothing about it. And we called, called in for one meeting during lockdown um, and it was from then when I was like, okay, I think I need to just cut ties with this drama school because actually they're not good for me mentally. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate what they've done for me and I appreciate the people that I've met throughout this and the training that I've received, but actually it's not benefiting me at all mm -hmm. um, because they're not... One thing I realised that they weren't, and I thought this is really odd was that they were not speaking about members of the global majority, people of colour, that were successful after drama school. Um, I remember going there and not knowing that, like, we had graduates that were in Mormon and Lion King and so many different shows. And only after I graduated, I met someone on, on Saturday night who's a, who's a graduate from LCM who I have never known of before and he was only three years above me and he's been in Bat of Hell and he's in Moulin Rouge now like he's so successful and yeah. like people like that should be spoken about mm. and I think there was a massive difference in conversations especially with alumni like the difference between the like the the, the levels of people that would be called back and like to do talks and stuff like that the it was, it was just wild. Like I, I think about it now and I actually think that you guys probably don't think this is really one of my lies, but like, like they, they just didn't speak about what people of color were doing after drama school. And I remember coming out of drama school and my first ever job was this, was a, a new musical at Sad as well. So it was a dreadful musical, um, but it's still Sad as well, straight after drama school and nothing. They didn't speak about anything. And People were getting spoken about for doing, I hate the term lesser work, but like smaller jobs. Yeah. Um, and that was a, that was a thing of the future as well. That was a mm. thing of, of the future. My, one of my best friends, and um, she's been very, very, very successful. Like she's done job after job after job after job. And mm. I said, do not speak about that. Um, I think there's That's an, so weird. It's, it's so, it's so odd. I think that, that there's a level of, Okay, actually, the alumni network is not great anyway. But actually, when we were graduating, it wasn't bad. Yeah. And yeah. they were still speaking about other people. They just chose not to speak about certain people. I was chatting to uh, uh, Joe from your cast, actually, the other day, because she, our, we went to the same drama school and they posted about her being time traveler as well. Mm -hmm. And they got her name wrong. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and uh, she, <laughs> which was hilarious. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> they have never once posted anything at all uh, from my career, despite being a leader in the play in the West End for a, for a year, doing X, Y, Z, nothing, nothing. Obviously, different reasons, but uh, that's, that's just... And then people do work that is, as you said, you know, not particularly notable or not like the thing that people might aspire to. <laughs> it's, it's just not there. Now... The thing that you were speaking about, sadly, obviously, there was a huge period of time where, you know, you mentioned that open letter. I think that happened for most drama schools, right? It did, yeah. Where over this period of time, you know, we have, we've had, hopefully had, uh, this huge institutional change at most of these drama schools. You know, as you said, there's been a change of staff there, L LCM, 
<laughs> one of the initials in my head. Trying to <laughs> um, and, you know, we're looking at all these places going, hey, here are, as you said, open letters of what people's experience was, what that, how that's affected them long term and testimonials across the board. And I wonder if it's enough or if that has changed. And, and, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot because it's actually when we look at everything you've told us so far, it feels like from a very young age, you've been asked to represent your community and, and, and hopefully chosen to do that as well as an MP. But, you know, when you were thrust into that school full of white people and asked all those questions all the way through to now, like you're asked regularly to represent your community when you're like, can't I just represent me? Yeah. And uh, so forgive me for asking this question, but with that, with that in mind, do you think that maybe that change is taking place? Yeah, I think so. Um, um, again, I just, I speak to a lot of people who have just graduated now more than me going into drama schools. I can't comment on drama schools. But, We're not there now, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, like speaking to people who have graduated from, especially the bigger drama schools, I think there's a, been a massive change. Um, but I think that probably comes from, and this is just my opinion, that probably comes from a change within the industry. I think that comes from more shows being about people of the global majority, um, more black, brown, Asian stories, um, thus more talent needed, um, thus more people getting cast and stuff. Um, I think there's a massive change that still needs to happen within the industry. But I think that drama schools have really now been like, ah, okay, representation is quite important, actually. And it is actually beneficial for us mm. because... There are there's a less pool of people, so actually the talent's going to be greater, yeah. and there's more of a chance of our drama school being successful. And that's one thing that I confused me about drama schools was that, like, especially when I graduated, I graduated in 2017. Um, there's been a massive change since then. Um, but one thing that baffled me was that representation is not a bad thing, like. Having speaking about your your people of color and the work that they do and putting them on a poster and alongside other people, obviously, like not just speaking, oh, we've got one black person in our year. No, not that. Just like saying that well, our course is diverse and is true to Britain today, like lands itself with with success. Mm. I think that without tooting my own horn, like I remember being like in my showcase and me and my, again, I mentioned her a lot, but we shared a lot of the same experiences. One of my best, my best friend, she, she, me and her got the, the most agent offers out of our, um, out of our showcase. And I think that's just testament to that really. Like, like representation, the, the more diverse and more, yeah, the more diverse your your course is and your drama school is, the more chances to succeed are that they're greater. Which is why not sharing so the success why not, of those yeah, alumni. Yeah. And why not? <laughs> why not advocate for representation? Yeah. Because um, not only not does it it aids the future, because like people who are auditioning see the people that are successful that are people of color. Also, it gives. Current students and alumni and uh, auditionees and grads and tutors opportunities to 
diversify their their own repertoire in terms of knowledge, in terms of stories, in terms of um, how people have grown up differently and how, like, it just, yeah, it, it just lands to success. And one of the greatest things about Britain, one of the great things about London is it's multiculturalism. So it just, it confuses me as to why certain drama schools just can't acknowledge that and just can't delve into that a lot. Mm. Um, and I think that is the issue with a lot of, I think that that comes from issues within the industry, however. Absolutely. And we have so much we wanted to talk to you about. We're sort of running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've spoken about yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, maybe we could persuade you to come on again. Yeah, fine. Well, I think we should. If that's... Yeah. Because I've got it, I've got a list of other things I want to chat about. <laughs> there's loads we want to chat about. Um, <laughs> I'm but, an interesting guy. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. said not much to say. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. So uh, I wonder if we can twist your arm to come in and, uh, again. Yeah, but I mean, Bobby knows my schedule. So oh, yeah, he does. You can't even lie. We play panel on a Thursday or a Monday. So after that, we're okay. There's always the panels in. We'll come after panel. After panel. Done. Yeah. So, uh, is there anything about theatre or let's let's say let's let's say fitness? Is there anything about theatre you would like to see get in the bin? Mm. Oh God, what a question that is! Uh, yeah, a few things actually. Um, oh God, I have to be very careful with what I say here yes. because I'm currently <laughs> in a show. Um, we can cut it if it's offensive. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we can open it up to fitness if you if you don't want to go down, um, down yes, the theatre. Yeah. Let's go fitness then. No, uh, let me do fitness first, right. and then that's not branded. That's fitness first. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me do fitness first, and then I'll I'll think about theatre because it's a loaded question. Yeah. One of the things I'd get in the bin about fitness, um, like progress pictures um the idea that weight loss is succeeding and the idea that your physical appearance determines how fit you are i think that's one thing that i'd get in the bin i think that you could be the fittest guy in the world fittest person in the world and you have every right to look however you look mm. um your size your look your body weight, your levels of fit doesn't determine how good of a PT you are, doesn't determine how good of an athlete you are. That's just my opinion. I think that in elite levels of athlete, obviously there are some physical implications to certain things. Like uh, someone like me isn't going to be an ultra marathon runner, but also what is saying that someone like me can't be an ultra marathon runner because I've run a marathon or I've run a half marathon I could run a marathon, I could run an ultra marathon, but if you look at the the running community, like a majority of people don't look actually look like me. And another thing that I would actually go in the bin would people taking their tops off in classes. Just don't do it. <laughs> do you two spend much time together? <laughs> okay. I think that's just, I was actually thinking about this in the, over the weekend. I think that's just one of the first things me and Bobby said to each other. It was, yeah. Um, I used to work in a CrossFit gym and they just... Oh, uh, but it comes off at the door, right? Honestly, it was... Uh, like, 
Oh, gosh. It, it's vile, isn't it? It's just the worst. Just like, why? For what reason are you doing it? Like, I, feel, I feel like with CrossFit, it has become part of the like ethos of the brand. Like the, the, yeah, it's part of the star uh, kit of like, doing CrossFit. They're like taking your shirt off. Wear a shirt and then just take it off when yeah, you yeah, go to Buy the merch and then take the merch off. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To preserve the merch. merch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it, right? Um, so yeah, don't take your top off. And, Sorry, just to jump jump in, if you don't mind, if, um, the, you mentioned about that um, fitness at any size being just your opinion, but it isn't. It's also factual. Like, mm-hmm. like, can you tell me that a sumo wrestler is not fit? Yeah, like, or, or an NFL yeah. offensive lineman isn't fit. Yeah, and the, and or a rugby prop, yeah. right? When well, you're, right? For, for the UK, you're looking at you know somebody's probably 16, 18 stone plus for some of them, mm-hmm. depending on their height, with a high level of body fat yeah. whose fitness is through, you do that for 18 minutes. Like yeah. screw you. Yeah. Like it, it's so obvious when people think about it, but they don't think about it. Yeah. I think my problem within, within the fitness industry, especially within London actually, is that it's so um, diluted and so not represented in terms of like body shapes and sizes mm. really. It's not. Um, and I think that, the amount of times I've auditioned for, for to teach classes and someone who looks like me who's a, a bigger guy, I get turned up on because I don't look like a PT. I, anytime I go, if I go to a new gym and people don't know me there, nine times out of ten, and this has happened to me throughout my whole life, the personal trainers that roam the floor in these freelance budget gyms would come up to me and ask me if I need help when I'm squatting 200 kg do you know what yeah, I mean I'm yeah. like, actually, I think I know what I'm yeah, doing I think I'm good yeah I got this I think, I think I'm totally fine <laughs> I, want, I don't want to delve into this too much because <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah. want to get you no, back yeah, that's, that's the whole conversation <laughs> we want to have and I'll answer the fifth we'll question we'll leave that one <laughs> yeah. so I do need to think about yeah, it think about might that change in the time. next two weeks we'll bring that bring yeah, yeah. Yeah. dance captains that's what I say I'm okay with that don't dance captains it's alright I love Bobby so guess have you got any advice to somebody who might be entering the industry now um yeah, just persevere through it and don't get delved into toxic negativity and toxic positivity at the same time. I think toxic positivity is really, really important and really, it's not spoken about enough, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that like persevere and toxic positivity is kind of, it's a massive juxtaposition between the two. But I think there is a fine line. Yeah. And I think if you work hard, you will get where you want to go. And it might take a while, but you will get there. And if you don't, that is also okay. Um, because some things are just not meant to be. And that's something I've learned over the past 10 years. Fantastic. Love that. Well, it's time for us to try and guess Ooh. your liar, liar. So without changing your facial expression or letting us know whether you did or didn't, uh, like, fantastic. he instantly managed well. to save his facial expression in that one mo- moment in time. Moment. moment. That's thing. Uh, moment. So if you're listening to this, this one for the camera, is that? Yeah. <laughs> That's the still, that's the thumbnail. <laughs> Cast your minds back over the episode. Think what you think might have been the lie, or if there was one. Uh, Bobby and I will now also guess. We decided that we could guess the same thing. I've got to guess. Yeah. Okay. How did you guys guess? Sorry, because I, you guys have not spoken. How have you guessed this? Have you just been typing it? No, 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 no. we're about to guess. No, oh, we're, we're about, so we're sorry. About to guess now. We're about I to thought guess. like you'd like no. telepathically communicate oh, to no, each other. No, no, no. no we're about to guess. Okay. <laughs> we're working on that. That's, okay. that's in the works. Mm-hmm. I think go. that it, it did not sing My Heart Will Go On in Reception. Okay. I think that's a, I think that's a solid guess. I think that's a really solid guess. Uh, you can choose the same I'm thing. I'm just going to go for something different because why not? Yes. 
Not Why'd you lose? I don't think you're hit by a car. Oh, mm, wow. With the bike. Mm, mm. Okay, so tell us, did you manage to successfully lie? Yes. And oh. would you tell us what it was? Yeah, I didn't have trials for England. That was oh. like, uh, I just slipped it in there. Yeah, saying, you did slip yeah, that in. Oh, damn. If I had trials for England, I think you, I would have told you on like yeah, we've discussed, day one. We've discussed, yeah, yeah. Definitely whilst we're playing FIFA, you would yeah. have been like, ah, I've had trials for England. Guys, <laughs> come on. Like, the amount of times I speak about my how, life. I don't know how that just, like, I think you just said it so convincingly and just like, off the cuff that it. Yeah. I've trained. As we spoke about. Sports, I guess, your job. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> right, it's time for another game. We're mm. going to play a game of this or that. It's a lightning round. Great. Our friends. Uh, one minute on the clock. Stefan, I'll give you two options. You've got to pick one. Nah, see how fast we can do it in a minute. Right. Hold on. Let me get my stopwatch up. I know. I need um, good diction for this every time I'm like, let me do my warm up. <laughs> All right, ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. Eggs or bacon? Eggs. White bread or brown bread? White. The US office or friends? US office. Cardio or resistance training? Resistance. McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. Singing or acting? Singing. Curry or roast dinner? Curry. Yoga or Pilates? <laughs> Yoga. Family Guy or Love Island? Neither. Domino's Pizza or Papa John's? Domino's. Sport or dance? Sport. Alcohol or chocolate? Chocolate. Matching socks or mismatching socks? Matching. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Squidward or Spongebob? Spongebob! Game of Thrones or Glee? Game of Thrones. Book or Kindle? Book. Clean shaven or beard? Beard. Personal chef or personal stylist? Ooh, chef. Guitar or piano? Guitar. Sexy body or sexy mind? Sexy mind. Shower or bath? Shower. Arsenal or music theatre? Arsenal. <laughs> Dogs or babies? <laughs> oh, babies. Snakes or badgers? Sorry? Snakes or badgers? Snakes. Theme park or water park? Theme park. Running or walking? Running. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Bobby or Stefan? Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, only because, only because... He's probably watching the show tonight and he'll give me notes. If I don't uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> Look, I'd choose Bobby too. Uh, uh, 53 seconds. That's, that's wow. rapid. rapid. Wow. Uh, Bobby assured me that curry or roast dinner was a question that you would uh, appreciate. Yeah. I mean, I love a roast dinner. This is the thing. And he's I love a curry. always telling me about his escapades in making a roast. I actually think we need, so Could I think we, we need a three-part series for me. I think we need uh, <laughs> drama score. We need... Fitness, and then we need food. Food, I'm up for that. Yeah, I love food. I think we should create a like curry roast in a combo. I actually would love to do that. I think I've seen it on. There's a few pages on Instagram. I mean, if you just whack a Yorkshire pudding in, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm invested anyway. I could, I, I could get on board. Like, imagine roasties. Well, with that's like a it. Curry... You, could, you could do Bombay potato roast. Roast oh, Bombay roast potato. Potatoes. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, and that's, all, that's all my friends going to be doing. those and bring them into work, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> my mum makes a good Indian spice roast dinner, actually. She, like, cooks a leg of lamb with her spices and... Nice. Her samosas are banging. They are, aren't they? Uh, I'm, I'm immediately jealous. I want one. So, uh, so good. So uh, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, if you're listening to this, go and see uh, Fanny and Time Traveller's Wife in the Apollo Theatre in London right now. Yeah, he's fantastic. Hot and, dogs, get your uh, hot dogs. Get your hot dogs. <laughs> the most memorable line. Yeah. And uh, thank you at home or wherever you might be for listening. Yeah, and if you've enjoyed this episode, click those like and subscribe buttons. Find us on Instagram at fit underscore talk. As always, got any questions you want answered by us, slip slide into those DMs. I'll be in there eating a roast. <laughs> Thank you again for listening. If you like what you've heard, we've been fit to talk with our wonderful guest, Irfan Damani, and me, Stefan. And me, Bobby. And if you didn't like it, we've been Joe Wicks. Peace out. <laughs>